a stranger. And you invited me in. I was sick. And you looked after me. I needed a teacher. And you inspired me. I was lost. And you prayed for me. I was addicted. And you helped me break free. I needed a mentor. And you were there for me. I felt alone. And you showed me true community. You helped me experience the joy of worship. You made me feel welcome and safe. You gave me the strength to keep going. You led me to Jesus. and under you are dismissed have a great time the shoulders crew is ready for you and I know they've got great things planned for you today hey today we're going to talk about uh obviously if you picked up from the video about volunteering um Jesus said something that I think uh, a lot of people kind of gloss over because it's what he said he made this statement and when you read it at its face value people kind of they shy away from it here's what he said he said for whoever wants to save their life will lose it but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel, he will save his life. And this is one of those verses that people don't really like. Um, and the reason most of us don't like this verse is because we don't like losing. Right? I mean, who likes to lose? Anybody? Right? No, I didn't think so. We like to win. We like to win at, at, at business. We like to win in our families. We like to win in, in all sorts of ways. I referee a lot of high school basketball games. And you know what I've never heard a coach say? Hey, why don't we let the other team win tonight? Never heard them say that. Andy, did you ever say that when you were coaching? No, never. What did you all say? Let's win this one, right? Let's win. In fact, I get yelled at quite a bit by coaches who think that somehow I cost them from winning. That, you know, one of the calls that I made or something like that. None of us like to lose. But the other thing is that for those of us who are trying to follow Jesus, sometimes following Jesus feels like choosing to lose. And one of the things that we need to discover, and this is really if, if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, if you're religious, if you're not any of those things. Here's just a, a universal truth that we all need just to, to realize, is that everybody loses. Everybody loses. We all lose something. And so the question becomes, what will we choose to lose? That, that winning anything significant usually involves losing something. You know what teams that are really good, basketball teams that win state championships, you know what they, they, they win? obviously, but you know what they lose? They lose time, and they lose energy, they lose uh, time with family members, they lose in, in all sorts of areas, because they, they choose to lose those things so that they might win. And so the question for us is, what will we choose to lose? 
And Jesus was really upfront with his earliest uh, followers about what they would have to lose, what it would cost to follow them. And so I want to be very upfront today because Jesus was upfront. And so today I'm going to ask you to choose to lose. I'm going to ask you to commit yourself to, to, uh, to, to, uh, to losing something so that the church, so that the kingdom of God, not just Glendale Christian Church, but Glendale Christian Church, but specifically the kingdom of God will, as a result of your choosing to lose, win. After Jesus made this statement about, you know, whoever wants to lose their life is, is going uh, to save it, and whoever loses their life and all that, after he made all that statement, Jesus went on and, and it was business as usual. He cast out a demon, and that was just a, a, a usual day's work for him. You know, people were following him all around to, to see all of this stuff. And then he, he does that, and he, he goes on and he does a few other things, and he tells his followers, he says, hey, it's time for us to go to Jerusalem. We're going to go to Jerusalem, and you just need to know up front, things are going to get difficult. In fact, things are going to get very difficult from here on out. And so, so right after that, Luke tells us that, that Jesus appointed 72 people, 72 people, and he sent them out ahead of him, two by two, to, to every town and every place that he was about to go. Now, there's a couple of things that really kind of intrigue me about this. This was right after Jesus had made this really difficult challenge about, you know, whoever's going to lose their life and all that kind of stuff. And, and he recruits 72 people. But before this, it's just Jesus and the disciples and the crowds. I mean, that's kind of the distinction that's made all through Scripture. It's Jesus, the disciples, the crowds. But now it's not just the crowds. There's a new group. There's 72 people. And apparently these 72 people, they stepped out of the crowds at Jesus' invitation. And he appoints them to go ahead of him in, into all the towns, that, the different places that he's about to go. Which is another thing that's interesting to me. I mean, Jesus didn't really need to send somebody else, right? I mean, if, if, you're gonna, if there's some ministry to be done, if there's some healing to be done, if there's some miracle to be done, shouldn't Jesus be the one to do it? I mean, isn't he the one that, you know, people, the crowds are going to come to see? It'd be kind of like, you know... Think of whatever famous person, Let, let's just say the president, maybe not a great example in this crowd, but, but let's just say, hey, we're expecting the president, and he's coming to town, and we get the secretary of housing, right? Like, I mean, it's not the same, right? Like, we're, we feel a little disappointed in that, right? And so, so that's kind of, Jesus is going, hey, you guys, you're going out. But Jesus could have done this himself, right? Why in the world would he need to send people ahead of him and why 72 sent out in pairs to do this to, to go ahead of him it, it's almost like an interesting detail that, that Luke just he, he says it's 72 but that's it right he doesn't give us their names he doesn't give us anything important about them nothing significant about them in fact he, it's almost like he says hey we're not even going to tell you their names they just stepped out of the crowd and there was a whole bunch of them and that tells us something really important about Jesus you see, what had been happening was Jesus had his, had his followers, his disciples, and, and these people, they're just in the crowds. And at least 72 of them, after, after being invested in for some period of time, we don't know how long they've been following Jesus, but apparently they've been following at least for, for a little bit of time. But they, they've been poured into. And so for a season, Jesus, maybe, maybe he had healed somebody in their family. Maybe that's what got their attention. Maybe that's what attracted them to Jesus. He, he had healed somebody in their family. Or maybe one of the 12 disciples, they had done something for them. They were, they were friends of the 12. I don't, we don't know. We, we don't know anything about them other than that there were 72 of them. But they'd been following for a while. And at some point, Jesus, after pouring into them, after they've been following, they, they've been part of the crowd, they're following Jesus and they're being taught and they're being invested in and they're being poured into. And Jesus asked them, hey, would you be willing to step out? Would you be willing to, to step out and not just follow me, but go ahead of me? 
Would you be willing to, to go ahead of me and, and prepare the way? Would you, would, you gonna, would you go? And here's the deal. I'm not going to give you anything more than what's already in your cup. I'm not going to give you anything more than what's already, what you've already got, got in your cup. I'm just going to send you out, and I want you to prepare the way for me because I'm coming to these towns, and I want you to be a part of what's going on. You see, Jesus had value for involving people. Jesus had, there was an intrinsic value that he saw in people, and so he, he used people to be a part of what he was doing. And, and I'll just say, he, he could have done it on his own. He, he could have. And I'll just say by, by way of parentheses today that I think the same is still true today. That God doesn't need us to do anything, right? God doesn't need us to, to do anything. But God invites us to do this. God invites us to be a part of His kingdom, to be a part of His work. Not because He needs us, right? He's God. He can do whatever He wants. But because He, he gives us this opportunity to be a part of what He's doing. And I think Jesus decided from the very beginning. I think He was setting up this model that, was, that, would, that would come after Him of what He wanted others to do along the way. And so he told them this, as he's, as he's sending them out, he told them this, he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So, so it's a bit of a, an agricultural and economics lesson. The, the harvest is plentiful. In, in other words, he says, I'm going to produce a whole lot. There's, I'm going to produce a ton of things out in this world, and there's not going to be a shortage of any of the things that I'm going to produce. In fact, there's not going to be a shortage of any of the things that the people in this world need from me. I'm going to produce it all, and, and it's, the harvest is plentiful, but there will be a shortage. There will be a shortage of workers, and so I want you to come and be a part of that. And so he chooses 72 to go and to be a part of that. And which I think, if, if you kind of go back and read this, this section of Scripture, I think, you know, think about what the disciples were probably thinking. The disciples are probably thinking, hey, well, well, Jesus, I think there's a reason why nobody's really stepping out. I mean, there, these, there's thousands of people in these crowds, right, and only 72 people, which I would say is not a few, but... but but I think the disciples, are, they're, they're probably thinking, hey, you know, the reason they're not stepping out is because you keep talking about this cost. And you keep talking about losing your life and, and all of that stuff. And, and so, so that's not really a good motivational speech, right? It's not a real good pep talk. But this is what he says to them. And he gives them these instructions. He said, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest field. And so here's what he's saying. Not just you 72. All right, you 72, you're going to go out, but not just you 72, not just the 12. I want you to ask for more because the thing is, is that Jesus knew what, what they hadn't realized yet. Jesus knew that this wasn't just about dropping by a few towns on, on the way to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was, was the place where he's ultimately going to lose his life, and, and they knew that because he had told them that. But, but it's not just about that. You see, Jesus is launching the biggest, winningest movement in the history of the world. That the world would ever know Jesus is launching it right, and it starts right here with these people, with these 72. They were in on the ground floor. And here's what he's asking them to do. He said, here, here's what I want you to do. You've been following. You've been following me. I want you, so now I want you to stop following, not, not just follow. I don't want you to stop following. That didn't come out right. He said, I, I want you to go out ahead of me. And I want you to begin to pour into to others what's been poured into you. I want you to invest into others what, what has been invested into you. I want you to be responsible for what's been poured into your life. I want you to be a good steward of that. I want you to plant seeds because the harvest is going to be great. The harvest is plentiful. There, there's going to be no shortage of the, the blessings and the abundance of the things that I'm going to produce. But I'm going to need you to be a part of it. And I want you to invest that into others. And then, when you read this, Jesus gave one last kind of word of encouragement. But before, before he would release them out into to the world, 
he would say, okay, it's go time. He'd say, okay, are you ready? Here's, here's my, my go time speech, my, my, my game time speech. Go. I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. <laughs> that's really what it says. It's not a joke. You, i got to be thinking, like, that's the worst pep speech right before, like, a big game in the history of the world, right? Like, I've never heard a coach in, in the timeout huddle before we tip off a game say, all right, now, go out like lambs among wolves, right? No, I've, I've, never, I've never heard that. In fact, uh, he's not watching this, so I can tell this story. He, he won't see this. But there was a young man at, at one of the churches that I was at, one of the, ch- the church I was at in Glasgow, and and was not a great ball player, okay? He, he just wasn't. He, he had, he's a brilliant young man, was, was involved in a lot of other stuff that he was really good at, theater and, and uh, great musician, great singer. Basketball was not his forte. And so he's playing in one of these little league games, and, and he's just, he's not very aggressive. He, he's just kind of wandering around, and he's very shy, and, and he's timid. And his grandmother, sitting in the stands, says, hey, you got to be like a lion. You got to go out there and be like a lion. Not like a lamb, but you got to be like a lion. Well, he took it literally, and so he walked up to the boy that he was supposed to be guarding, and he roared at him. It didn't spark fear, put it that way. But this is what Jesus said. He said, you're going to go out, and you're going out like lambs in, among wolves. I mean, at this point, I, th- I think the disciples are looking at that and they think, you know, if even half of these people go out, like that'll be impressive, right? Like if, if we can just get half of these people that have stepped out to do what they said they're going to do, that'll be incredible because Jesus, you're not like giving us a whole lot of hope for this, right? But if you keep reading, Luke tells us what happens. Luke says this. He said the 72, the same 72 that Jesus just says, hey, I'm going to send you out like wolves, uh, like lambs among wolves. He said the 72 returned with joy. And they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. They, they came back with joy. They came back because they, they went out because they went out and they did what Jesus asked them to do. He, he sent them ahead to these towns and they began to pour out what had been poured into them. And they came back with joy. This is what Luke tells us brought them joy. I imagine they came back like kids who had just rode a roller coaster for the first time. Anybody remember the first time you rode a roller coaster and you got off that and, and like your heart is beating through your chest and, and like your, your hands are shaking and, and there's this fear of like, do I want to do it again or, or, or do I wait? And, uh, you know, if you're like most people, you're like, it's like, let's run back to and get in line, right? I think that's probably, probably how they came back. They're, they're just like, we can't believe it. Jesus, you said it, it was... It was going to cost us something, and maybe it did cost something along the way, but we did all of this stuff in your name, and even the demons trembled because of your name. They returned with joy. And you know what's interesting about this? Is you know that nowhere else in in the New Testament, and and really even in the Old Testament before this, not with any of Jesus' teachings, not with any of his miracles, it doesn't anywhere say, and when Jesus taught that, they were filled with joy. Nowhere. It, it doesn't say, say it anywhere that when the people listened to Jesus and all the things that he taught and, and, and heard and they saw the miracles that they were filled with joy. It doesn't say that. But, but when Jesus invited them to come and to take what had been poured into their cup and poured out to others, it says they returned with joy. And they could not believe what they had gotten to be a part of. And then in a moment of, of teaching, just in a moment of context, Jesus pulls the twelve aside 
the 12 disciples, not the 72, just the 12 disciples. And he says to them privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. In other words, what you've just witnessed. What you're being invited to be a part of. And he says, For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but they did not see, and they did not hear what you hear. And the reality was is that for, there were kings and prophets in generation after generation after generation who had waited for this moment, who had, who had longed to, for the Messiah, who had wanted to be a part of the kingdom of God like these people were. And they didn't get to. There were people in the history of the world that never had a chance to be a part of the kingdom of God who were, never had a chance to be invited like these people had a chance to be a part of. And not just the 12, not just the 72, not just the crowds. You see, because just like the 72 and just like the others that Jesus sent out, you and me, we have that same opportunity. You see, Jesus invited me and you. He invited us in the same way that he invited the 72. You see, for a season, some of you, and you've been here, you've been, you've been here and you've been a part of the crowd. And here's what I would say to you today. Some of you have been part of the crowds for a while. And you felt poured into, you felt invested into. I mean, we, we have some great volunteers who do an awesome job of investing in people. They, they lead different ministries and they create environments for you. They've been pouring into your life. And some of you, you, you probably feel like me, I, I can't be a part of this. I, I'm not ready to be a part of this. But I just need you to know this, that since the very beginning, among, from the very beginning, among the 72, they were just ordinary people. They were just ordinary people. There was nothing extraordinary about them. If there was, we would have gotten their names. But there was nothing, there was just, they were just ordinary people. They were just like me and you. And they were invited to be a part of this and, 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 and be a part of this in such a big way. And this was the method that God decided to use. This was how he was going to advance the kingdom of God throughout all the, all the world. Not just, in, not just in Europe, not just in Asia, not just in Africa, not just in North America, but across the world. This was going to be the method that God used. He was going to use ordinary people. Like those 72. Like me and like you. He was going to choose to use people to pass on what had been given to them. I mean, he, he was going to use people to, the, who were going to pour into the lives of other people what had been poured into them. I mean, come on. All of us here, every one of us here today is here because somebody poured into you. You were here because somebody saw you and they poured into your life. They invested into your life. They, they turned as no longer as a part of the crowd, but eventually they turned and they decided it was their turn to take and to pour out what had been poured into them. What had been invested into them. I mean, every one of us is here because of that. And eventually along the way, we, we, if you continue reading in the New Testament, we, we bump into a guy named Paul. And if we know anything about Paul, we know this, that he invested in a lot of people. When you read through the, the letters that Paul wrote at, at the beginning and at the end of all of his letters, there's just a list of names that he wants to tell people to say hello to. And those are all people that he had invested in. And there's one guy in particular that he just he spends a lot of time with that he pours into maybe more than anybody else, and his name's Timothy. Paul poured a bunch into him. He passed along to, to him what had been passed on to him. And so he says to Timothy, he says this in 2 Timothy, he said, You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. And so Timothy did. He did the same thing that Paul did. He, he passed along to, to other men. He would call them reliable men. And, and I think basically this was just his way of saying, hey, these were people who were willing to be good stewards of, of what I was going to pour into them. They were going to take the things that I had poured, had poured into me, and I was going to pour into them, and they were going to pass those on to somebody else. They were going to be good stewards of that. They were going to be responsible for that. They were going to pour into the lives of other people 
The same way that the 72 did. The same way that Paul did. The same way that Timothy did. And God is calling all of us to do that. The same way that those other reliable men did. And most of you, you're probably sitting here today and you can think of somebody in your life who did that, who did that for you. You can, you can think of somebody who did that for you. It, because you see, that, that's been the way. It's been the model. It's been God's plan from the very beginning. And it all started with those 72. And it was passed down all the way down to me and to you. And we sit here today and for some of us, we, we can think of that, that one person. For, for some of you, they, they might even be sitting next to you. They might be sitting near you. They, they might be here this morning. For, for some of you, it's, it's your mom or your dad. For some of you, it was a youth leader. For some of you, it was a co-worker. It was somebody who, who took the time to take what had been poured into them, and they invested that, and they poured it into your life. I tell you, I was really blessed growing up to have a number of people that did that for me. Um, Mike Napier, who's, who's with Indispensable Church, uh, so you, most of you have met him. Uh, he, was, he was one of those guys for me. I met Mike over 20 years ago, and he was just a mentor for me, and he, and he poured into my life. Um, Doug Martin is another guy. He's a, he's a preacher at, in Taylorsville, Kentucky, and, and Doug was just one of those guys who, who saw me, and he said, hey, there's a young guy that, that here's an opportunity for me to, to pour into, and, and he did that. He invested in my life. He poured into me, but those were preachers, right? That's what they're supposed to do. That's what ministers are supposed to do, right? And so when I think about this, I, I, I think about another guy, a guy named Darnell White. Darnell was just a regular guy who went to my church and he volunteered with the youth group. Darnell's mom was my babysitter when, when I was just a baby and so I'd known Darnell my whole life and he was probably 15, 16 years older than me, probably is that. Um, but eventually he started just volunteering with the youth group and, and he would pull me aside and he would take me out and we would just, he would teach me just some life skills and he would relate those life skills to to, to our faith and, and how, how, they, how they helped us grow in our faith. And, and he, he just poured what was in his cup into mine. He didn't have any theological training. He wasn't a pastor. He wasn't this super Christian guy. He was just a guy who understood the idea of stewardship, of taking what had been poured into him and pouring it into my life. And for some of you, you can think of that person today. You can think of that person who has poured into your life. You can think of their name. In fact, I would just encourage you to take a second to think about who it was, who it was that has poured into your life. And you know what's amazing? Is that this happens all the time. In fact, it happens week after week after week right here. We, we have some incredible volunteers who, who week after week do, just do this very thing. They, they don't have all the answers. They run into to some things that they don't know how to deal with. They, but, but they've just decided that God's doing something incredible, and they want to be a part of that. There's an amazing harvest that God's producing something, and they have an opportunity to get involved with that and, and, and to, to seeing what God is up to. And they are experiencing something amazing as they take what's in their cup and they pour it into the lives of other people. It happens every week. I mean, it happens in our kids' wing. We have volunteers who teach children core biblical principles. It happens with our, with our worship team who creates a context for us to, to open our hearts and our ears and our minds to God. It, it happens with people who, who set up for hospitality for us to be able to welcome people into the family of God. It happens with our Sunday school teachers who, who create environments for us to dig deeper into God's Word. And so here's what I think. And I hear this from people all the time. People say, people say they want the church to grow, right? 
I mean, that's, everybody says that. Nobody ever says, hey, I think we got enough people in the kingdom of God here. We're good, right? Nobody says that. Everybody says we want the church to grow, right? Well, here's what I think you all need to know, and hopefully you do know this, is that we're planning to grow here at Glendale Christian Church. We're planning to grow the kingdom of God right here. And here's what I know about Hardin County, and I know this about every one of us, is that we all know people who are unchurched and underchurched. And here's what I mean by that. The, the unchurched are people who, who don't know the Lord. We all know people who, who are far from God. They, they may not realize they're far from God. We might even say, hey, they're good people, but they, they don't have a relationship with the Lord. They are unchurched. But then there are those who are underchurched. And we all know those people too. In fact, we, we probably know more underchurched people than we do unchurched people. And these are people that, and it could be for lots of different reasons, who, who just aren't engaged with the church anymore. They, they've disconnected with the church. Um, maybe it was, you know, maybe they got burned by the church. There was a, an argument that happened and, and somebody in the church hurt their feelings and they said, you know what, if, if that's how church people act, my pagan friends act, act better than that and so I'll go hang out with them. It, it happens. It, it's sad, but it happens a lot. Maybe they just moved and, and they just never got reconnected with, with a group of people. Maybe it was COVID. Um, they just haven't re-engaged with the church since, since the pandemic started. Re- regardless, we, we all know those people, right? We all know those people. We all know unchurched and underchurched. But, but then here's the other thing is that there's growth coming to our community. Just two miles down the road from here. There, there's a, a major a plan for a major industry that, that's supposed to bring 5,000 jobs to our community. And however you feel about that, okay, this is, this is not a, a forum for or against, however you feel about it, whatever. Look, it, it, it is what it is, right? But let me just encourage you to think about Ford coming to Glendale in this way. They're saying 5,000 jobs, right? 5,000 jobs. That's not just 5,000 jobs. That's 5,000 people. It's not just 5,000 people. That's 5,000 families. And, and I know they aren't all going to move into Glendale, okay, right? They're, where would we put them, right? They're not all going to move to Glendale. They'll commute from, from all over. But just consider this, 5,000 families, the, the average family of four. Now we're talking 20,000 people. If we as a church, if we as a church can just connect with 1%, 1%, all right, that's another 200 people that now we have influence with, that, we, that we're able to grow the kingdom of God by. Just 1% of what's projected to come to our community, 1%. We don't have to win them all. We just got to connect with a few of them, right? And that means we need to start now. We need to start now preparing for those who will come. Bobby says this all the time, and I love it, and I think he's right. He says we can't plan for what we have right now. We have to plan for what we want to see happen and he's right if we ever only want to be a church of 150 200 people that's all we'll ever be and i know it's not just about physical numbers okay it's i'm, I'm not saying we got to be like the next mega church we got to be the next southeast uh, that's that's not my point in, in all of that we don't have to be a mega church but we do need to be a church that has a mega vision we do need to be a church that has a vision to that can minister to a growing community because like it or not our community is about to grow and so we need to be prepared for that. And so here's what I want to ask you to do today. In your bulletin, you got a, if you got a bulletin this morning, not only was there a ballot for our leadership, there was also one of these. So pull this out. Go ahead and pull it out. And if you didn't get a bulletin, there's, there's more of these in the little white box at, at, the, uh, at the end of the sanctuary. 
Here's what I want you to ask you to do. If you've not been a part of the game, if you've just been a part of the crowd, and you've been here for any length of time, and you feel like you're being poured into, and you feel like you're being invested into, then I want to ask you to take a step today by, by, filling, this out, by filling this card out. Now, you're not committing to anything yet, okay? You're not committing to anything yet. I just want, to, want you to take this step. Give us a little bit of information so that we can give you a little bit of information. Give us a little information by filling out this card. It's got, it's got different areas of ministry that, uh, that we need help in. And I'm going to tell you, this is not an exhaustive list, okay? This is not an exhaustive list. There are other areas of ministry that, that we just didn't have room on the card to put on there. And so, so maybe what you're interested in is not on here, and that's okay. So here's what we want you to do. We want you to circle the area of ministry that you're interested in. And if, there's not, if it's not on here, just write it on here. And then it, it tears off, okay? And so we want you to write your name and your phone number, email. It can be one or the other, just a way to get in contact with you. I want you to write down the areas of ministry that you're interested in. The areas of ministry where you're willing to pour out what's been poured into you. And then, simply tear it off. Drop it in the box on your way out. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to go through those cards and we're going to start talking to people who, who, who circle ministries and want to be involved in areas of ministry and, and want to be involved in pouring out what's been poured into them. And, and we're going we're gonna to help you to be involved. We're going we're gonna to train you. Like, we're not going to throw you out to, to like lambs among wolves. Jesus could get by with that. We can't, okay? Jesus was, Jesus was a lot better at that than we were. We can't do that. But, but if you'll commit to choosing to lose a little bit of time, a little bit of energy for the sake of the kingdom, then not only will you win, but the church will win. Joe Hatchett is a minister and also a cousin of mine. He says this all the time. He says, the church exists for those who aren't here yet. The church exists for those who aren't here yet. And I think that's true. I think that's true. I think this church, this church has to exist for those people who aren't here yet. Who are, who are going to be moving into our community. Who are going to need a place to connect. Who are going to need a community, a family to be connected to. So why not with us, right? Why not with us? Look, look, you all are all here. You like each other, right? Why wouldn't people want to, to be connected to a family, a family that will pour out what's being poured into them. And so here's what I would just close with this. I'm gonna, I, I'm, when I ask you to fill these out, I, I want you to, I want you not just to mark it because it's okay, it's the thing that Adam's asking us to do and and we'll, we'll fill it out, and we'll be done with it, and we'll never hear, hear about it again, okay? I don't want you to do that. Because if that's all this is, then well, all we did was waste some paper and some ink. Fill it out. If you're really serious about investing in what's been invested in you and to other people, not for my sake, not even for the sake of just this specific church, but for the sake of the kingdom. And trust my heart when, when I say that as your pastor, I want something for you far more than I want something from you. And I, and I believe that if we will commit to serving, serving other people, serving our church family, that God will continue to do incredible things in our lives, in us and through us in the days ahead. And I can't wait to hear stories. You know, the best part of my week is when I get emails from people, and I, and I do get these. I get emails from people who, who tell me how they were in, they were down in kids' church and, and something happened and it just it, it 
it was like a light bulb came on for one of our kids. That's the best part of my week. When, when somebody says, hey, the, the worship team did a great job this morning, and that song that they sang, the lyrics of it, it just it clicked, and it made me think about this. I'm telling you, when, when, those stories, that's the best part of my week, is when, when, it, when the light clicks for people. And here's what I know, is that God wants to use each and every one of us to help it click for those who aren't here yet. And so if you are not been involved, I want you to be involved. If you have been involved, if you're one of our great volunteers, let me just say thank you. You do an amazing job, and we could not do this every week without you. The, the ministry, not just what happens here on Sunday morning, but, but what happens here throughout the week. Um, I mean, I think about ministries like Affordable Christmas and Room in the Inn and, and those kind of ministries. They could not happen without you. The, the investment that you're making in, in those ministries will pay eternal dividends. Today, you have a chance to be a part of what God is going to do through the kingdom, in the kingdom of God here at Glendale Christian Church. And we want you to be a part of it. But you've got to choose to lose. You've got to choose to lose. And Jesus said, whoever, whoever chooses to lose their life, they'll, they'll save it. In other words, they're going to win in a big way, in a way that they never thought possible. So today, will you choose to lose so that the kingdom of God and as a result, you win. Let me pray for us. Father God, we love you. And we are so eternally grateful for how you have provided people along the way to invest into our lives. How you have managed to, to just, at the right place and the right time, put people into our lives who, who would speak truth into our life. Who would, who would just pour out what, what's been poured into them. Father, may we do that for the next generation. May we do that for the people who, who aren't here yet, for the people who don't even know that Glendale exists yet. Father, may we have a willing heart that will choose to, to lose time and energy and, and other resources so that the kingdom of God will, will prosper, so that the church will grow strong and be a significant influence in this community and in the surrounding communities. Father, help us to, to surrender everything we have to you, to lose everything, so that in return, we gain everything. What a great trade. Father, thank you for Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.